0: In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to the Writer Files. I am your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. And this week, the multiple best-selling author of five books, including his latest, Real Artists Don't Starve, Jeff Goins, returned for a special edition of the show and to talk with me about The New Renaissance, his favorite books on creativity, and Busting the Commonly Held Beliefs of Artists. In addition to being an entrepreneur and speaker, Jeff is a writing and creativity consultant, and his popular blog, Goins Writer, offers free tips about the writing life. His podcast, The Portfolio Life, also delves into many of the same topics via interviews with entrepreneurs and writers aimed squarely at helping listeners pursue work that matters. On Jeff's last visit to the show in 2015, we talked about his best-selling book, The Art of Work, and How to Think Like a Professional Writer. His latest, Real Artists Don't Starve, dismantles the myth that being creative is a hindrance to success. And best-selling author Dan Pink said of the book, every entrepreneur, writer, and artist should read this book and take notes. Writers, I think you're going to like this one. In part one of this file, Jeff and I discuss how the starving artist mindset is a choice, not a condition. Why now is the best time in history to do creative work? How John Grisham overcame the odds and 40 rejections to become a best-selling author, while well, you don't need to go big or go home, and the psychology of rule breakers and creativity. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. All right, we are rolling once again on the Writer Files. And I am back with a special guest who's returning to chat with me in a special edition of the Writer Files that we are uh, ostensibly calling uh, Busting the Myth of the Starving Artist with Jeff Goins. Hey, Jeff, thanks for uh, coming back on the show, man.
1: Hey, Kelton. Thanks for having me. I love this podcast. Honored to
0: be a part of it. Oh, appreciate the kind words. So Jeff is the multiple bestselling author of five books, including The Art of Work. And his new book is Real Artists Don't Starve, Timeless Strategies for Thriving in the New Creative Age. So um, pretty timely for this uh, special edition of the show. And congratulations on the bestseller status.
1: Oh thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I mean people say, Oh, you know, I had no idea. It was a total surprise. And uh somebody once asked Jim Henson, um, did you ever imagine that you would be the successful? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, I did. I was pretty sure it was gonna happen. <laughs> and yeah. like he wasn't being arrogant, he was like, Yeah, this was like this was something that I envisioned, you know, is a, is the point of it. Uh anyway, all that to say the week the book came out, I was watching my kids because it was the first time my wife um, had left both of the kids with me ever. Uh, I've got a five year old and a one year old and she went on a, a personal business trip and she was gone for five days and that was launch week of my book. And so, uh, the week after I found out I'd hit the wall street journal bestseller list and I was surprised because I was incapacitated when the book came out and wasn't really able to do much to promote it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun in a less stressful way to hit a bestseller list. I might add.
0: Wow. Wow. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the last time you were here, um, we were talking about, um, the art of work and kind of getting into more of the writerly, um, you know, your process. And we're talking about how to think like a professional writer and the myths of very productive writers. And in this new one, um, you know, you've taken a different kind of event, but it's, it's a similar, similar idea. But really, the question that we're ask you're asking in this new book is, what if you could make a living and really a good living from your art, right? Um, and so, busting the myth of the starving artist is a great place to start because I think what we're talking about here a lot is kind of these stories of mindset, and you're a great storyteller. This book obviously proves that. Yes. Um, but I love I love the message here. Uh, kind of, we're talking about re- recreating yourself and but it means changing right and change is kind of scary for a lot of people
1: yeah absolutely i mean the argument of the book is being a starving artist today is a choice not a necessary condition of doing creative work and artist is one of those terms that more and more people and in more industries are co-opting and and I think it's a good thing. You know, I love what Seth Godin says about art in his book, The Icarus Deception, where art is the thing that when you're gone, we will miss. It is you sharing your gift, whatever that is, with the world. And so that's my definition of art. And that's my definition of uh, an artist is somebody who shares their gift with the world. And so if you've got a novel in a sock drawer, that's not art because you haven't shared it, no matter how good it is. And um, if you are at the same time, if you're doing a podcast and and it's impacting people's lives and this is your gift, uh, then you're an artist. And so the point of the book is, hey, you don't have to starve in spite of all these myths and ideas and r- honestly romance around uh, what it means to be a successful artist. You don't have to starve to create your best work work uh, and so I wanted to give people per- permission to thrive and and the converse of a starving artist is not a wealthy artist although that's great you know I'd love for you to get rich there are plenty of artists who have done that uh, that's not the point here the point is um, not to be a wealthy artist necessarily it's to be a thriving artist what that means is you are doing your best work and you're not having to sell out or starve to create it and yeah as the title suggests it, Um, turns out that many of history's most successful creative geniuses in many cases did not starve the way we think they did (laughs) and the way we think an artist must.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing and trying again. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad free episodes and more. It's free to join, to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files, help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. I love it. Um, and these blurbs on the book are, are some of my, Favorite people, obviously, Austin Kleon, who was also on this show, uh, said of the book, anyone trying to make a living from their creative work will find much to steal here. Uh, (laughs) Of course, Dan Pink uh, dropped his hat in the ring, calling it a path for turning our art into business and our business into art. Every entrepreneur, writer, and artist should read this book and take notes. And of course, Stephen Pressfield, War of Art uh, Mm -hmm. author, called it the work of angels wow <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> that's so <I> know. cool <laughs> yeah i was like "Thank you. <laughs> uh, um but yeah i mean i am a big fan of all these guys uh dan pink was also on this show i went to both of those episodes but you know i kind of feel like you know obviously you're you're talking about finding a way to live off your art and uh i kind of feel like you're like morpheus in the matrix uh circa 1999 when he said uh to neo you know you're the one that has to walk through the door i can i can only show it to you yeah. uh, and he gives them the choice of the two pills right Love that's that. kind that's kind of like what this this book is saying you know it's like yeah. you can take you can take the the blue pill and you know that's it the story ends here Or you can take the red one and and jeff will show you how deep the rabbit hole goes am i wrong
1: <laughs> you know i mean that really that's great kelton because um the beginning of the book, I say, hey, this is a choice. And at the end of the book, I basically say the choice is up to you. And so the whole book is trying to build a case that – Uh, Today, you don't have to starve to create your best work. Uh, In fact, I believe now is the best time to do creative work for lots of reasons. The technology that we're using right now, the low barrier to entry that whether you want to create music or you want to write or you want to build a business, the opportunity to get that work out into the world is easier than it's ever been in an unprecedented way. And so does that mean there's more crap out there? Sure. Does that mean there's more competition? You bet. But the opportunity that exists for us to put our art out into the world and actually see it impact people, that's incredible. And we just need to pause and acknowledge that if we have work that the world needs, it is on us to find a way to help that thrive. And I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, luck isn't involved at some point. I am saying if you want to be an artist, whatever that means to you, you've got a dream, you've got a passion, you have something that you want to share with the world. Uh, and and the world needs that creative work. Don't be telling me (laughs) that like nobody will let you (laughs) because it's, it is your choice whether or not you starve. And at the end of the book, uh, I I basically offer this challenge. Would you rather believe a beautiful lie, the myth of the starving artist, which is a story that we've been telling ourselves for centuries and it's just not true, uh, or a difficult truth? Like w- which is easier? And, and and the truth is sometimes we'd rather believe a beautiful lie than a difficult truth. And that's that's the matrix right there. I love that analogy, you know, red <laughs> versus blue pill, because it's like, yeah. this is harder. This path is harder. Like, there's that scene in The Matrix where, uh, you know, he's eating the steak and he goes, I know it's not real, <laughs> uh, you know, but ignorance is bliss, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and that's like, that, that's the cop out, right? Oh. That's going, well, yeah, but I'd rather, I, I don't want to have to worry about marketing or building a business or monetizing I just want to starve. You can do that. Like, I'm not going to be mad at you if you do that. Um, but just understand that that's a choice you're making.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love I love that. And the and the inspiring messages within the book, you know, um, we don't fake it till we make it. We believe it until we become it. And, you know, you, you obviously get into your own story, which is inspiring. Um, you, you've touched on that quite a bit in your writing. And then, you know, stories like, obviously, Michelangelo and John Grisham and some other great writers. Um, you know, I actually didn't know that John Grisham had been turned down by 40 uh, agents and or publishers to start his career. That's that's a good one. You know, I mean, authors like, um, I think, uh, Persig, who recently died, the author of uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, I think, yeah. he, was, I think mm-hmm. he was rejected a hundred times um, before that book was published. and of course, that was kind of a, a classic for that era. But uh, yeah. yeah, there's so many of those great stories in this. So so, I mean, a lot of the message is is slow and steady wins the race, right? Like y- you still have to do the work, um, which is obviously also another thing you've touched on quite a bit. So,
1: yeah, you know, in the book there are these twelve rules for being a thriving artist, moving from starving to thriving. Yeah. and, And look, I know creative people don't necessarily like rules, Um, (laughs) but a rule like that, that's the word for it. You know, it's a law, it's an idea, it's a principle that um, if you do this, things work out for you. If you don't, there are consequences. This is what we're trying to teach our five-year-old right now. You can make that choice. Just understand that there are consequences associated (laughs) with it. Right. Uh, And and that's going (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so-so. But yeah, one of the rules is you, you aren't born an artist, you become one. Uh, which again is another thing that I hear a lot of creatives kind of use to kind of pass the book. I'm too old, or this just just doesn't come naturally to me. And so in the book, I uh, read hundreds of biographies and stories and you know case studies of creative geniuses from the past 500 years, and I basically asked the question: The people who have been very very successful uh, in a creative field, what do they all have in common? And then I interviewed uh, several hundred working creatives today, who were both successful and unsuccessful. Uh, people who were kind of, you know, starving and struggling, and people who were making a living off of their art. And I, I said, "Well, what do they have in common? And and what do they, what do the thriving artists, you know, have that these starving artists don't have?" And I came up with these twelve rules, these strategies for uh, success. And this is the first one, which is at a certain point, you have to decide to recreate yourself and become this thing that you want to be. And this is this is something that happens for the rest of your life. So you mentioned John Grisham. He does this um, at a really interesting point in his life and career where he has passed the bar exam. He's now a full-time lawyer. He's a dad. He's raising kids. He's got a family. And it does not begin with this big idea that he should be a full-time author. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is sort of the opposite of this like thing that we like we hear from, you know, people like Tony Robbins and stuff where it's like you have to have a perfect vision of your future. He kind of doesn't have this. He has a vague notion of an idea like maybe I could write. And so he starts writing. So the most interesting thing about that story, I think, is not the 40 publishers who rejected him, because at that point he knew what he wanted to do. The most interesting part of that story is when he wakes up one day and goes, Could I be, could I write? I don't know. Like I'm going to try it out to see if I can even do this. Yeah. So so every day he gets up, goes to office a little bit early and writes one page of a novel just to see if he can do it, which (laughs) I love. Yeah. Like, cause so many people are like, I want to be an author. Cool. How much are you writing every day? Well, I'll do that when I quit my job. You don't know, like you, you may not even like this. It's, <laughs> I, I do it; it's not that fun. Like I'm having fun when I'm doing it, but it's not exciting, you right, know. Right. Like, like take your kid to work day. My kid sits in a chair and looks at me for eight hours while I type. You know, like it's not interesting. Um, so I love that Grisham goes. I'm just going to try this and see if this is interesting to yeah. me. To see if I can do it. You know, sort of like a bucket list thing. And it takes him two years. He does this for two years. Every single day he writes a page and by the end of two years, he has a book and he, he basically publishes it with this small little, um, press and, uh, it doesn't sell well. And, and he goes, well, that was fun. I guess I'll do it again. You know? Yeah. Goes back to the same old routine, you know, kisses his kids, you know, gets up, goes to work, uh, writes a page a day, finishes his second book, which is the firm ends up, You know, Being able to actually sell this to a major publisher, that becomes a bestseller. They republish his first book, A Time to Kill. That does really well. And now he's off to the races, and he's an overnight success three or four years into the making. And so the thing that I think is an important takeaway from that story is you want to be an artist, you want to be a writer, you want to do creative work for a living. It begins with, first of all, reimagining who you are and what you might be, not going, well, I've always done this. I'm a lawyer, so I have to keep being a lawyer. Or this is what my parents expected of me. Or this is what I expect of me. Or it's too late to start. I'm in my 50s. You know, whatever it is. Uh, it it begins with this decision to recreate yourself. And that is a thing that you're constantly doing. And then the next thing is not some giant leap, but just a small step in the right direction. It's a risk, but it's a small risk, which is always the right kind of risk to take. So this idea that you've got to go bigger, ho- go home. It's just not true. It, it doesn't work uh, most of the time. Uh, there was a study that I included in the book and, and I thought was pretty interesting about American entrepreneurs uh, where they University of Wisconsin studied these two groups of business owners, uh, those who quit their jobs and started a business and then those who kept their jobs and started a business and then eventually went full-time. Mm-hmm. And the people who were not risk-takers uh, were twice as likely to succeed. Hmm. 30, 30 th- the people who um, were riskier, were 33% more likely to fail. Hmm. They 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 had a much higher failure rate. Um, And so the idea go big or go home. Well, sometimes (laughs) when you go big, you (laughs) go home too. You don't (laughs) you don't win.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So um, very interesting. And 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 what I think is is fascinating about this. There's all these myths about creative work. You've got to starve. You got to get a big break. You got to take a leap. And it turns out that this is work. And, yeah. and that the way that you build a career around your writing, around your art, around whatever, is by getting up every day and doing a little bit of that work day after day after day. And if it sounds boring, then maybe you shouldn't do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great, that's a great reminder for writers. Um, obviously, the Writer Files is is aimed pretty squarely at that, that yeah. uh, crowd. But looking at kind of your own body of work and your own history and path i mean it makes sense that you kind of kind of landed here talking about these strategies and and uh the new renaissance that you, you've dubbed it um to kind of what wipe the slate clean of that uh uh the stink of <laughs> what we've believed for so long since the first renaissance uh that uh yeah to be to be successful you have to starve and uh yeah I love it it's a great message man Yeah. so the, i mean but these these takeaways i mean the rules are just kind of embedded in within the story so um the book itself, which i think we can find at don'tstarve.com there's no apostrophe however um <laughs> but uh don't starve.com. and there's some bonus stuff there too it looks like um you can you can buy the book and you can and get get some other good uh, goodies there to go along with it. Looks like,
1: yeah, yeah. There's some there's uh, you know several bonuses there. Transcripts of some of the main interviews that I did. There's a a workbook. Um, you know, so the book is a lot of stories as you mentioned. Um, but then you know, I read books like this and I go, okay, so what? Like, what should I do? And there's a free downloadable PDF workbook that'll help you kind of work through practically you know each of these rules and ideas that you can apply them to your own uh creative career um and and there's this we have a, a online community as well that just people who read the book are coming together nice. saying hey what does what does it mean to be a thriving artist and you've got lots of different um crowds and industries and um uh different fields of work represented there it's a really cool uh, yeah. active group
0: look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must-not-take-yourself-too-seriously and 6-1-since-that-matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, I mean, you've there's a lot of great kind of antecedents... You know, we talked. We mentioned a couple. Obviously, Austin Kleon and Stephen Pressfield yeah. in that group. Do you have some other um, some other authors that you've kind of uh, uh, or that have helped guide you on your own path? Um, I mean, in, in addition to uh, "Real Artists Don't Starve," what other books would you recommend writers seek out specifically? Writers um, in kind of like the creativity. Inspiration slash productivity, you know, any of those kind of areas that you love or that are just kind of sitting, you know, on a on your bookshelf.
1: I love this question because I I read a bunch of books for this book, and I I like wasn't able to include all the books. um, Sure. As in as research. So many. (laughs) Well, and I mean, it's like. The first step in writing a book, I think, a book like this anyway, that's kind of, you know, a lot of story, a lot of different stories, a lot of different kinds of research to kind of, for me, um, the, you know, the research, the studies, the, um, the data is, is like the anchor for all the stories, you know, Mm -hmm. otherwise you've got all these stories floating around and people are like, well, like maybe this person just got lucky or whatever. And so (laughs) I like, I like having both, you know, um, but, um, like. I feel like when you write the first draft of a book, it's, you're basically saying, look at all this work that I did. And I had an editor (laughs) say, man, hide all that self congratulatory crap, you know, put it, put it in your end notes. If you have to keep it, otherwise cut it, you know, basically like, just tell us what we need to know in the simplest way possible. And so in many cases that meant me, like that meant I was cutting out pieces of the book that just weren't necessary to the argument, but were fun. Yeah. Um, this guy that I stumbled upon, I mean, there's, there's a few answers to this question. um, because I read some kind of heady academic stuff, which was fun, but like not the easiest stuff to read, you know, then like more readable stuff and then like, you know, very, very readable stuff. Um, but I, I stumbled on some really cool stuff about creativity Um because when I first started writing this book, I thought, this is a book about creativity, so I'm going to read everything that I know about, you know, everything that I can find about the psychology of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I included a little bit in the book about this, but there's this guy named Paul Torrance who was basically a pioneer on the study of creativity in the 1950s and 1960s. And I mentioned him in chapter one, um, which is about becoming an artist, um, because um, he basically uh, discovers that, like, schools are are like the worst place for creativity to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Because early on in his, in his career, uh, he, uh, is, is like working at this, um, school for troubled kids. And he notices, uh, that there is a correlation between deviant behavior and creativity. Yeah. And, and he's like, so like if you like, the more of a rule breaker you are, the more creative you are. <laughs> and the more you follow the rules, the less creative you are. I mean, so I was like, oh, this is cool, you know? Uh, so that's, a, like, he, he wrote a book. He he did a bunch of, he was an academic, you know, professor. And there's a um center dedicated to him called the, I think it's called the Torrent Center in Georgia, um where I got to talk to some of the people that continu- are continuing his work. He's now passed, but I got to talk to some of his previous students. It's just interesting. I mean, he is one of, Like the reason we're talking about creativity today as like an actual field of scientific study versus just being this like magical thing, which is what it was thought about 75 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, is because of him and and a few other of his peers. He wrote a book, which is really just a collection of, uh, articles that he wrote called, um, why fly? I had to look at my, my bookshelf. Why fly is what it's called. I wanted to call it. Will it fly? But that was Pat Flynn's book. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I read that book. Um, I love that book. I think every writer should be an avid reader of other writers' stories. I think you and I have talked before in a previous episode about Hemingway. I'm still a big, big fan of Michael Reynolds' five-part biography of Ernest Hemingway, um, which all have different titles. My favorite uh, book, which influenced this book in that – my favorite volume in that set is Hemingway, The Paris Years, which is – The story about how Hemingway became the writer he is today. And I just think it's interesting because you see the social dynamics that shape a writer. Mm -hmm. And I just – I mean I just think that's super interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested in – the sociology of creativity, especially these days. Um, another really cool book that I read, two books on that, are The Geography of Genius by Eric Weiner, hmm. um, which was a fun read. It's a travelogue. He goes to the most creative places in the world, uh, throughout history. So he goes to Silicon Valley, you know, for the the computer and tech revolution. Uh he goes to Florence, Italy for, you know, the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And so it basically asks the question: What made these places at some point hotbeds of creativity? It's a very easy, entertaining read. That's called the Geography of Genius. Another kind of more academic thing is uh, Richard Florida wrote a book called The Creative Class: uh, mm-hmm. The Rise of the Creative Class. Yeah, and um, again, like what makes people creative um, goes beyond "I've got a good idea," and and it goes to um, where they live and who they're around and and who is influencing them. And when right. I started understanding some of the stuff, I realized, oh, this makes sense to me because I live in a a city where I have access to other people doing work like the kind of work that I'm doing, and it has made me a better writer. Uh, and and it's you know, and 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 I understand why this is the case versus just going. Oh, like those are just my friends, or that's just that person that I bumped into that one time. Yeah, uh, and it turns out that I mean, this is the way you know, creativity is supposed to work. Okay, two more books. One is um, Creativity by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Like it is the authoritative, kind of research-backed uh, book on hmm. how how creativity works. It's just called Creativity chick sent me high. How do you uh, can you spell, those spell the last name for <laughs> us?
0: <laughs> no, you can just not say not it really fast, and so no one will ever find this book.
1: Sent me high. Just Google his first name: M I H A L Y. He's right, the guy right. who does flow.
0: Right. He's the flow guy on
1: yeah. TED Talk. Um, uh, you, you you ruined my flow. <laughs> uh,
0: that was the idea. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.